Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of How Did We Miss That? Today, we're going to talk about the Texas killing fields like we've been for the last weeks on weeks on weeks, but we're going to finish it this time. Finally, we're getting to the end. Is this week five of the Texas killing fields? Yes, I think. Man, five weeks of content. Well, I'm going to let everyone know that birds aren't real. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I love it. Let's take it away. Let's do it. All right. From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. we miss that? Okay, well, welcome back. If you're still here after five weeks of hearing about the Texas killing fields, I'm ready to wrap it up tonight. Wrap it up. Put a bow on it. Wrap it up and put a really disgustingly sad bow on it. Do we catch anybody in this episode or is it still? We have a couple. We do. We have a couple suspects that that are here in this particular very long story of mine. Stop beating yourself up about it. It's an important story. It's a long story. Lots of information. Right. It's okay. I know it's okay. I just want to make sure we didn't lose people like, oh, not this again. The downloads would say otherwise, so I would not uh, worry about that. All right. Well, we're going to jump right back into our story in the 90s. So last week we ended with the 80s. We're hopping into the 90s now, like hip hopping into the 90s. Hip hop, you don't stop. Right. (laughs) All right. So the deaths keep on coming. On September 8th of 1990, a couple on horseback are cutting through the oil fields, enjoying a nice ride, when they come across the fourth victim to be found in the field. Remember, we had Hyde, Laura, and Audrey last week. They were all found really close together in this field. Well, now we have someone new. The body was badly decomposed and found in a clearing only three feet, which is close to like one meter for those of you who are not in stupid America where we use feet away from where the other bodies were found. So last week I mentioned that genealogy testing was able to identify two bodies just recently in 2019, actually. One of them was Audrey Cook, and this is the other. Her name was actually Donna Prudhomme, and she was 34 years old. So I'm going to stop here for a moment because she was actually one of the outliers that we spoke about. But I wanted to mention that Donna was actually five foot three inches And she only weighed between 100 and 130 pounds. That's like much smaller than I would think your average woman of 34 years old would be. That seems pretty tiny to me. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I mean, our eight year old is close to 100 pounds. So yeah, but she's heavy. This is right. She's only eight. This woman's 34 years old. I think it's Prudhomme. Sure. How's it spelled? I'm curious just because I've seen the name Prudhomme before and you said it differently. Was it? I said Prudhomme. Oh, okay, maybe I, maybe that's what you, it is. You could be know. correct. I don't know. I looked it up, but I thought that's what they said. But I can. We'll be go totally with yours. Prudhomme. Sure. I, don't, I mean, it's probably correct. I, you're better. Let's go with yours. Is mine. Whatever. Right, let's anyway. go with yours. Let's just say Donna. Donna. Let's go with Donna. Donna. 
I like that you pointed out that the couple was riding together on horseback. This is Texas, like you do. Well, we're going to get to that in People a minute, don't why it was horseback. walk in Texas and they don't drive. They ride around in horseback. Right. Well, we're going to get to that in just a second. So I'm thinking that even though she was older, she was 34. Remember, most of our victims are between 18, 22-ish. Lots of them in the 14, 15-year-old range. I still think she kind of fit the bill for our killer because she's tiny. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I haven't really mentioned it, but in doing this research, I've actually noticed that most of our victims are between like four foot 11 and five foot six. Okay. It's kind of where they've all been put. Yeah. They all weigh between 100 and 130 pounds. And most were considered very pretty. Most had long brown hair. So this just leads me to believe that, again, this is just the work of one guy. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Some of them we've got convictions for mm-hmm. and confessions for. Right. But most of the unsolved ones seem like they're kind of the same guy. Yeah, I would agree. So he definitely has a type. I mean, 130 pounds is tiny. So, of course, it's going to be mostly younger girls. And that kind of, I think, helps to explain the outliers a little bit. They obviously were small for their age range. Maybe yeah, I mean, even I, though they were older, they still kind of fit his type. I'm not a woman, but I'm just saying I think 130 pounds is not that small. It, it's small. Because I think some people that are in that four foot to f- four foot eleven to you know five foot two range are like one hundred and ten pounds. That's like skinny, right? I think that's like average one thirty. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a woman. I have no idea. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think that's like average know. for that height. You know, if you're five eight, then being one fifty is normal. I guess I don't know. W- yeah, women I out mean, there are probably getting really angry at me right now. No, no but idea. let's just say like for my height, which I'm 5'1", so I'm very short. For my height, the weight range, like healthy weight range, is between 135 and 150 for 5'1". Really? Yes. All right. I don't know. This isn't a health and fitness podcast. <laughs> right. I have no idea. But so <laughs> I'm saying these women being between 4'11 and 5'... What did I say? 5'... I would say if you're four eleven and you're one thirty, you're probably a little, uh, little, little puffy. There. That's probably right. But don't forget, this encompasses all of our victims. So the ones that are on the five six range, if you're one thirty, that's pretty thin. Yeah, I I concur. So, okay. Anyway, that was a very long dissertation. I don't know. I'm six six five three hundred. I have no idea. You're three hundred pounds. No, I, I feel like it, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think I am. But like I'm saying, I have no, I have no room to comment here. I don't know what a woman's size or weight is supposed to be. I'm, right. s- I'm really stepping on it over here. Sorry, okay. ladies. Well, let's. We can get back into our story if you. Want yeah, to. we can. I mean, I just you know trying to put together. I'm looking at this from the detective's lens. And, I like it. Okay. You know, if he's got a type, and they're all, you know, I'm just trying to put the pieces together. All right. Well, just like you, investigators couldn't figure out the woman's identity, but they did figure out a prime suspect and they lumped in quite a few of the other girls with it as well. So let's talk about this guy that investigators think they have. His name is Robert Abel. He'd been working for NASA since the early 1960s. And actually, he had top security clearance because he worked on the space program. Did he have top secret clearance? Probably. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the big one. That's the highest you can go. Right. And it doesn't sound like a murderer to me, but clearly there was something that caught police's attention. Yeah. Well, during some of the investigations, he seemed to take a really big interest in the case and even offered unsolicited advice on several occasions. He actually owned land adjacent to the oil fields that he had purchased in 1990 to run a horse tours company. 
Didn't we hear about this many weeks ago? Someone who was really into the case and was offering their opinions on it. Right. That was a different suspect. Okay. This guy is a new suspect. No, I know. I just, similar behavior. Right. Interesting. Yes. And I think that kind of triggers people's attention sometimes when someone's just overly interested in something going on, especially, you know, yeah, I murders. Think we, I think we mentioned back then that nowadays all these ladies running around with their Facebook groups about murder probably right. wouldn't be as strange Truth. as it was back then Truth. when true crime wasn't a big deal. So I mentioned that he had a horse tours company. We talked about horseback riding through these fields. He actually cleared much of the land for trails and to add picnic tables and would often lend horses to the investigators to ride around the fields. He ended up fitting the profile that the FBI worked up as well. The FBI stated that this killer would be organized and methodical that he would have high intelligence and most likely a history of abusing animals. He had been married three times. Robert Abel had been married three times. And you know what ex-wives do, right? I mean, they do a lot of stuff. They like to talk. <laughs> they do. Yes. Yeah. They mentioned that Abel was very violent towards animals, beating them with hard metal pipes for even the slightest disobedience and would frequently fly into rages. So he had, I told you, three wives. Two of them were the ones that talked, and they said that he actually never physically really touched them. But one of them claimed that on their honeymoon, he told her that he would kill her if she ever denied him sex. Mm. That seems like a really good way to get what you want, I think. Based on all this information, police were able to obtain a search warrant for the property in November of 1993 and found a 22 caliber gun and bullets. And this was the same size that Donna was murdered with. They found teeth. Ew. Gross. Yeah. Like teeth. Like just human teeth. You're like in a jar? I didn't say. They just found them. Oh, was that that show you where he had the teeth up in the bathroom hidden in a oh, box? Yeah. yeah. Although. <laughs> the creepy ones do that, man. Now that I think about it, if anybody were to ever like search our house, <laughs> they'd probably find well, kids' teeth. Yeah, but if. Right. But, <laughs> but I think you might find that at a lot of parents. Right. <laughs> Houses, you know, this, I'm sure these were adult teeth. I don't know. They That's a little different. Didn't but. say, but I'm thinking I might want to go move this. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what, are you planning on doing some killing? Yeah. <laughs> um, they found newspaper clippings of the murder and boxes of nude photos. Despite all of this, police could not find any evidence that actually directly tied him to any of the killing field murders. The bullet they pulled from Donna's body had been eroded so badly that they were not able to pull any identifying marks from it and match it to anything that Abel had possession of. The teeth were actually not even able to be linked with any known murders or missing people. So he's just got... He's got a collection of teeth hanging teeth. around. That's weird. Were they animal teeth, maybe? No, it was human teeth. Because he beat animals? Nope, human teeth. Hmm. So seriously, though, even though this is creepy AF, yeah, it's not illegal to own teeth, so... Well, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, it's not illegal, but I mean, like, where do you obtain teeth unless you right. worked at the don't know. dental disposal service or something? I well, don't but, know. Like, yeah. where do you, but unless like, you're involved in some kind of foul acts, where do you even get these teeth? Right. But like we're saying, the investigators are looking through this like ridiculous game of I spy in his house and find all these weird, creepy things, but they can't tie them to anything. Yeah, and it's not a crime to be weird, that's for sure. Exactly. It's mm. not a crime to be weird. He's just weird <laughs> Put and that creepy. on a PSA, everybody. We should have a t-shirt. I should have that sound, that weird. ding, 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 ding. It's not a crime to be weird. The more you know. The more you know. 
Some of the people in the investigation still to this day believe he has something to do with this. He dies in 2005 in what seemed like a suicide. He was struck by a train of all the ways to go. Struck by a train. Yeah, that doesn't really happen by accident usually. Well, the engineer said that when he approached in the train, he saw Abel like parked in his car on the side of the tracks. Mm-hmm. And then as the train got closer, he just pulled it onto the tracks. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty yeah. clear that's what he was doing. Yeah. But like that, I mean, <laughs> I feel like there's other ways to go, man. That's quick and dirty, man. Some people are of the same opinion of the investigators, but others actually believe that it may have been a ranch hand that was working for him um, to have been behind these murders. And his name was Mark David Stallings. And we'll talk about him towards the end of our story. Okay. He's got three names. It's got to be him. They all do. Mark Abel doesn't. or Robert Ro- Abel. Robert Abel. Right. Bob Abel. So on February 1st of 1996, the bodies of 14-year-old Lynette Bibbs and 15-year-old Tamara Fisher are found. They had just disappeared two days earlier after being seen leaving a teen club in Houston. They were both found partially clothed, but Lynette had been shot twice in the back of the head and Tamara once. Witnesses placed them leaving the club with a 22-year-old male that they had actually known but he claims that he dropped them off at a motel on Old Spanish Trail in Houston. I mean, like you do, right? Yeah. Just drop off some teens at a motel. Right. Yeah. Their murders have yet to be solved. Mm. On March 5th of 1996, another convenience store disappearance. This is 13-year-old Crystal Baker. She had stopped in to use a payphone, hoping that a friend could come and pick her up. The friend said that she could not. And just a few hours later, her body was found strangled beaten and sexually assaulted under a bridge over the Trinity river. She had been killed by ligature strangulation. Police were able to find a semen sample on her dress that she was wearing. They sent it out for DNA testing and they were able to get a match this time. What is ligature strangulation? It's anything that, um, like a rope, anything used Mm. as like a tying device is a ligature. Interesting. Yeah. So she was, you, you know, a rope or pantyhose or whatever it was she was strangled with. So it wasn't hands. I know that word from my band days, believe it or not. I think it's the That's device strange. on the mouthpiece that holds the reed to the mouthpiece. Oh, right, yeah. And you like tighten Something it down. That, yeah. So like, um, I'm, I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, like a body was found with ligature marks. It's because they're like, maybe hands or feet were tied together. So they have marks on them. From, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It all makes sense now. Right. Who knew? Police were able, oh, I told you, they were able to find the semen sample on her dress. They matched it, and it belonged to 29-year-old Kevin Edison Smith. Three names. Three names. (laughs) He had been arrested in Louisiana, which was why his DNA was in the system. He'd grown up around I-45 and graduated from a high school in Galveston. There were no sexual assaults or violent crimes on his record, though. He was just like a weird one-off thing. He eventually confessed to killing Crystal, but said that it was an accident. So he said he was smoking on a bench when he saw her walking down the highway and he decided to offer her a ride. He said that he thought she was a um, like a sex worker and that she was 18 years old. I, I don't know. I don't know if she looked older or what, but it seems like a, a large leap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little okay. bit. Um, when she would not accept his sexual advances, he forced her and started choking her but did not mean to kill her. Really? Choking somebody until they stop breathing? You don't think you're going to kill them? I don't know. This guy doesn't seem like a... It's easy just to say, whoops, I didn't mean to. I mean, I'm not the expert here, but I kind of feel like when you choke somebody until they stop breathing, they're probably going to 
die? Well, I mean, let me step in here. The the few times that I've choked a woman. Right. Oh, wait. Sorry. All those times. <laughs> this goes on the air. Oops. Many, many times. <laughs> Better not go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> he was interrogated about some of the other killings, but he said he had no involvement in any others. He was tried and convicted and received life in prison where he is still today. Good for so him. So that was a Hopefully solved one. Hopefully he's getting choked. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> That was a solved one, which is nice to have yeah, closure on one of them. Absolutely. On April 3rd of 1997, 12-year-old Laura Kate Smithers disappeared while she was jogging near her home near I-45. She was an aspiring ballerina, and so she was told she needed to be in good shape and decided to take up jogging to help her get stronger. Poor sweetheart. Why do you sound sad? Because that makes me sad. She was 12. She just wanted to be a good dancer. Yeah. I think about our girly and how much she wants to dance and be a ballerina. Yeah. And we tell her because of all this weird murder and killing, you can only be a mediocre dancer. Go ahead. And <laughs> you be, are not allowed to be. Go good. ahead and be weak and fat. And no running will occur. Mediocre all the way. I just feel bad. I know. It sucks. She told her parents she was going for a 20 minute jog and never returned. Her body was found 17 days later in a retention pond, which I actually looked up because I was like, what the heck's a retention pond? It's a man-made pond that is used to manage storm runoff. Yeah. Okay. I had no idea this was a thing. So Duh. anyway, hello. this is where she was found. She was nude except for one sock, and she was decapitated. Oh. Yeah. That's different. It's different. Yeah. We haven't heard this one before. So just like the Millers last week, her parents actually founded the Laura Recovery Center, which is a nonprofit organization which helps with the search and recovery of kidnapped victims. Hmm. So it's nice. There's something good out of tragedy, I think. On August 17th, 1997, 19-year-old Jessica Kane goes missing after she left a Bennigan's restaurant at about 2 a.m. Two days later, her truck was found on the side of the road. No signs of a struggle. The truck was working just fine, but witnesses said she was seen walking along the highway, but has never been seen or heard from since. That is strange to me. I want to know, like, what pulled her? What pulled her out of that car? Why was she walking on the side of the road with a perfectly good working vehicle? I always wonder about these when we cover these, or I hear them on other shows or whatever. Like, what what led these people to these predicaments, these areas? Like, what what are we doing? I know these things can be avoided with a little bit of common sense. Well, like, I would understand, like, walking along the side of the highway if you had a flat tire or if your car broke down and you got to go get some help. I mean, this is 1997. Yeah. Not cell phones aren't as prevalent at this point in time. I mean, not everybody has one, like, now. So, I just feel like her car was perfectly fine. Like, what would be the reason? I have some comments here. Okay. Shall I? Yes, please. I think that. And this was even more prevalent in in the 90s. I remember I was there. But I think it even happens now. I would say probably at least 80% of the population is just in their own little world. Like they don't have situational awareness. They don't have any like sense of danger. They think everything's going to be okay. Right. But that's what I'm saying. So there's no reason don't. for her to not be in her car. Well, somebody probably lured her out. That's what I was getting that's to. That's what is I'm that saying. These, like, did that happen? These victims are walking along or driving along and some guy comes up and like, hey, baby, or whatever. And they're like, oh, I'll go talk to this guy. Like, squirrel. You know, it's like, what are you doing? How do you have no sense of something's not right here? Yeah. And, and I mean, like I said, there's 
very small population of people that actually have that. It's either right. people like me or people like you that have been trained by people like me. <laughs> or it's like people like me that read all these stories and now right. And but I mean, don't back go then, in the forest, stay in your car. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, back in these other decades, it wasn't a thing. I mean, I, I don't. Know, it's it's kind of sad actually. If yeah. people would just pay attention, forget about all this stuff. A lot of accidents and all kinds of things could be avoided by just a little bit of attention given. Right. Well, remember Crazy. when these stories first began all those weeks ago when we started this. You know, hitchhiking was totally normal. None of this stuff was a thing. There wasn't stranger danger. It was, you didn't worry about this stuff. So on November 29th of 1998, 23-year-old Tina Flood is found in the passenger seat of Jonathan David Drew's car. She's badly beaten. She's barely alive after police pulled him over. She had met him at a nightclub that night. She ended up dying days later as a result of her injuries. And Drew was convicted for her death, and it's speculated that he could be responsible for the death of Jessica Kane. So he somehow might have pulled her out of her vehicle. Um, they also think several other of the Killing Field murders as well. Mm. A search of his home, which could, coincidentally was right in League City where the oil fields are, yeah, produced a vial containing human teeth. What the f- What the heck? More teeth. More teeth. What is with teeth? I don't know. I mean... <laughs> You remember in Walking Dead when Daryl had the ears that on a necklace? Maybe yeah. it's like a, I don't know. Like Maybe a, they're making teeth necklaces? I, I yeah, or know. it's like a little token to remember them by. I don't so, know. Really? Very strange. Well, anyway, he was sentenced to life and remains in prison today as well. Good for him. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we are finally in the 2000s. All right. We're getting there. The there golden is age. a light at the end of this very, very long, sick, twisted tunnel. Yeah. Five more women have disappeared from this area since 2000. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. Have there been any recent, like in the 2000 teens and 20s? No. Okay. On July 12th of 2001, Tot Harriman, she was actually 57 years old. Her name's Tot? Her name's Tot. Was she very Tot? I don't know. <laughs> it would be funny if she was like super flabby. That would be. not Tot at all. Well, it's not funny because <laughs> she's a murder victim, but. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't mean. I know what I, you mean. I have to bring a little light to this so it's not all dark and. So we like don't my go to friend bed said, sad all the time. Yeah, like my one friend said on our review, we are delightfully sinister. I will take the delight, okay. you take the sinister. All it's right. a I give like and it. take, a little yin and yang. I like it. All right, that's good. All good. Well, anyway, anyway at fifty-seven years old, she is our biggest outlier in our story here. Yeah, she disappeared while visiting her son in League City again. Tot was last seen driving her nineteen ninety-five Lincoln Continental. Very fifty-seven-year-old thing to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, She was along Highway 35. Neither she nor her car have ever been found. There was a map, though, that they did find in her possession with a route between League City and Corpus Christi. And some said that she may have been trying to find a new home in the area since that's where her son lived. Wait a minute. The car hasn't been found? Mm -hmm. That's a big effing car. Well, they haven't found it. How does one just get rid of a car? I don't don't know. I guess you could crush it or burn it. Like. It's got to it show, show up somewhere unless you ship it out of the country. Yeah. I, don't I guess know. they're close to Mexico. It could sort of happen, I guess. But that's true. Drive it into the into the lake and it sinks, I guess. I don't know. That's crazy to me that a, even a small car, but that's a huge car. Yeah. <laughs> How does that get lost? No idea. On July 12th of 2002, 23-year-old Sarah Trusty was murdered in Algoa, Texas. She was last seen riding her bike to church. Her body was found on July 28th by fishermen in the Texas City Dyke. 
13-year-old Laura Ayala went missing on May 10th, 2002, never to be seen again. 16-year-old Maria Salas went missing after heading to school on a city bus. Witnesses heard her scream as she was getting abducted. Her body was found on August 13th, 2003. On February 23rd, 2006, the body of Natasha Sodom was found. She was a 30-year-old teacher and was found floating in the surf near where I-90, sorry, I-95 I'm not in California. I-45. Yeah. I-95 is not in California either. The ni- it's here. It was here. <laughs> yeah. goes Oops. from Florida to Canada. Too many places. Yeah, it's okay. I've been to many It's all right. Well. I-45. Yeah. Ends in Galveston. <laughs> She'd been shot and only determined to have been dead for a few hours when she was found. On November 23rd, 2006, the body of 16-year-old Teresa Venegas was found in Dickinson, Texas. She had last been seen walking near a subdivision on Halloween night. Three days later, her body was found strangled, raped, and with her hair cut off in a field across from Dickinson High School. And now. So these ages right now are all over the place. Was this person getting lazy here, I guess? Just killing anything in sight? Um, We don't know if it's just one person at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, some true. of them yeah. sound like they're really similar. Yeah. Some of them are kind of crazy, like our 57-year-old taught was quite out there was not i mean they didn't even find a body for her yeah so but based on all of my research we've finally reached the last victim of the texas killing fields murder that we know of that we know of yeah who that was a story right it's been yeah it's been a journey it's been, it's a, been journey. a you know i feel I, I feel some type of way right now yeah i'm not sure whether to cry or rejoice i mean it's it's over well, like I always say, but wait, there's more. There's more. <laughs> I want to talk about two more suspects before my story is actually finished. Wonderful. So do you remember Clyde Hedrick? I do. You do? Yeah. I'm surprised you do. You don't You don't forget a name like Clyde. Okay. Well, I talked about him last week as having been convicted of murdering 30-year-old Ellen Beeson after leaving a club with her in 1984. Yep. Now I'm going to show you a picture. You're going to wait just a second. You ready to see this picture? Christine, this is this is radio. I know. I'm going to put it up on social. Oh, okay. But I want you to see this picture. And I want you to describe to me what you're seeing. Oh, I'm good at this. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. I am seeing an <laughs> old man. Do you want me to describe it on, on the microphone? Yes. Yeah. I see an old man who appears to have no teeth, <laughs> rocking a sweet mullet, black wife beater. Just, I mean, you know how people's mouth do that thing when they have no yeah. teeth? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's that's what he looks like. This guy looks re- really familiar, actually. Ew. Like maybe in a movie or something I've seen this. No, that's Clyde Hedrick. <laughs> this is Clyde Hedrick. Yes. Wow. Doesn't he look like he just spent a, a whole day just murdering people? Yes. He got back from a hard day of murdering people And all day. perhaps maybe farming i don't know maybe well, he doesn't look like like a physician or anything no. really creepy i mean lots of lots of meth clearly i think yeah kind of kind of creepy guy yeah look at his eyes it's like just evil staring yeah. back at you right i'm really creeped out because he looks very familiar <laughs> concerned oh, where i know God. this person from thanks yeah his uh he i mean he looks like every other drag racer i used to race okay. with out in fontana right. so maybe that's why <laughs> Okay, okay. Well, during the time when Laura Miller had disappeared, Clyde lived just blocks from the Millers. He was absolutely familiar with her. 
Tim Miller believes that it was him and not Robert Abel that killed his daughter and many other women because the women's remains were all found together in the same area like we talked about. Also, the Texas Moon Club, where he found known murder victim Beeson, was the same club that Hyde was known to frequent and were probably there at the same time many times. I'm guessing Robert Abel doesn't look like this guy either. I know what Robert I mean, Abel looks like. If you're doing any up. profiling, well, he worked in NASA. And right. He probably looks a little more put together. Like an actual citizen, not a bum. Right. Yeah. During searches of the Calder Drive fields, Tim discovered piles of roof tiles. So remember, Tim is Tim Miller. He was Laura Miller's dad. He was really big in investigating these cases. So yeah, he, he was made part. The, he made a foundation too, right? Right. He was yeah. part of these investigations. And though while he was doing it, he found a bunch of roof tiles. And it turns out that Clyde Hedrick actually worked for a local roofing contractor at the time of the murders. So it's speculated that he was probably using the field to dump garbage from his jobs. And then he could also go there and visit the place where he had left the bodies. Remember we talked about last week that sometimes yep. people might pick a place that yeah, they can familiar. go back to. Yep. Also, several inmates have claimed that he has told them that he did have sex with and murder Laura Miller and admitted to Hyde and Ellen. He would not repeat this to authorities, and so they could not try him for the crimes, which is really sad. But, I mean, you can't just try somebody on... Well, I'm imagining what this is say. probably in the news around at this point. People, It's public knowledge for the most part. I would think so. He might be just doing that as a tough guy thing. Yeah, maybe. In jail to say, I did this, you know, don't mess with me. Right. So, yeah, you definitely can't convict on that. No. It's like hearsay. All right. Well, here's our last one. I already mentioned him earlier in this story, but I told you we'd come back to him. This is Mark Rollin Stallings, who was once a hired hand on Robert Abel's horse ranch. Remember I told you some people believe that it was somebody who yes. worked with Robert Abel yes. and not Robert Abel himself. Mm-hmm. In 2001, while in prison on other charges, he confessed to the 1980s killings. The sheriff's office in Galveston is convinced that he completed at least one of the murders, Donna Prudhomme, but they did not have enough evidence to charge him. So even though he confessed, they likely would not be able to get a conviction in court because, again, it's just someone's words. They don't have anything to like actually physically tie him to it. During the time of the murders, he was married with two children working as a laborer. He said he got involved with a sex worker named Champagne. <laughs> One night, Champagne got into the truck with him and another guy. When she refused to have sex with both of them, he pulled her out of the truck and forced her towards his trailer. <laughs> they, what? I just all this sounds very Texas. <laughs> They, champagne truck champagne trailer. trailers yeah, yeah. <laughs> they beat her severely and then they both raped her stallings identified the other man as robert abel they mm. became more than just boss and employee and stallings claims that he learned that abel shared his view of women and it was frequently very violent so after a night of beating and raping stallings left champagne with abel because he said that he wanted to keep her overnight the next day, he seemed really on edge, and he told Stallings that he had killed the girl. Stallings said that he later found out that Champagne's real name was Donna Prudhomme. Hmm. He has since been convicted of several other crimes and is in jail for life. So not even half of these, it seems like we have a pretty good idea of at least a conviction or who possibly committed these. But then the other half were like not anywhere near. Sometimes we haven't even found a body. There's some like we've completely said, they not could even be, identified. This could all be copycat or opportunity dumping grounds. You know what I mean? Like 
it's going to get pinned on someone else if I throw my body where all these other bodies are. Right. So the more you start hearing about it, I mean, it makes sense. But these two guys working as a tandem, that makes a lot of sense to me. Abel's like the violent underlord brains behind the operation and Stallings is the the muscle, the guy who's doing it, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Well, a lot of deaths and disappearances, crazy stuff, but that's it for the Texas Killing Fields. That's it? That's it. It's over. It's over. Rejoice or be sad. I don't know. I don't know. That's not how the song goes. It's not rejoice and be sad. It's rejoice and be glad. (laughs) Excellent point. Thank you. All right. Let's do it. Let's hear about these birds. Have you heard? The bird's the word? It is. I love it. I wish we could play that That song. That was really good. Perfect. I like that. Actually, have you heard that birds are not real? I have not heard this. So you gave me this idea. So you have heard it. You're lying for the sake of the show. And I appreciate that. I didn't know you wanted me to say I did. But you have heard. I did listeners, hear it. I'm, well, some listeners have heard, but I, I'm just going to tell you real quick that we're doing something wrong, right? We have three podcasts. We have our own private social media. You know, I think my Instagram for me, just my stupid family photos and whatever has like 400 something followers. This birds aren't real page. Yeah has the blue check mark and they have 296,000 followers on Instagram. So now that the cat is out of the bag, so to speak, the bird has flown the coop. Yeah. Yes. I found this out because of a group that I'm in on Facebook when somebody posted a t-shirt that this page sells and said, is this even a thing? And a bunch of people commented like, yeah, you didn't know this. And like, I totally believe this. And it was crazy how many people like completely believed this. So I'm not sure I believe it after reading. And I'm gonna, mine's pretty short. There's a lot of, okay. there wasn't a lot of, of information. There was a couple of news articles. And then there's a website, birdsaren'treal.com. Right. Which kind of is just a long story. I read it. I did not <laughs> print it out. But it's just this convoluted story about all these different kind of conspiracy theories. And a lot of people aren't sure if this is like satire or if this is a legit conspiracy theory i also went through the instagram page and some of their posts and the way they do it kind of makes it seem satirical so i'm not sure yeah a lot of people weren't sure either and then some beliefs some of the articles i read said this is all a marketing scheme to sell those t-shirts which they've (laughs) made quite a bit of money from hey whatever works right so in this day and age of social media and everything else all these tools at our hands you could really start a movement of something fake and get people to jump on board i mean i don't know i'm trying to think when all this started there's the legit conspiracy theories like area 51 kennedy assassination things that we have covered already that are like legit cia cover-ups whatever but sometime right around when trump was elected these outlandish pizza gate restaurants other things we've covered birds aren't real started coming about and I don't know if it's the social media age that makes this easy or if there's just a lot of nuts out there. I have no idea. So I can't I can't make heads or tails of this. I don't know if it's real or not. I, Maybe that's what they want you to think. Yes. <laughs> Some of the stuff I read said that all birds are fake. They're all drones oh. that have been sent to play I Spy. Could tie that together there. I like that. And spy upon us. It's like CCTV in the air, flying around, keeping tabs on all Americans. I've seen my fair share of dead birds. 
right. around here and elsewhere. We had live birds chirping in our tree last spring. We had babies. We watched them born. Right. So I don't think all birds are drones, but well, see, there may be some. It would be kind of weird if all of them were drones because they've been here for <clears throat> thousands and thousands of years. When well, some would say millions. They're descendants millions of dinosaurs. of years. Yeah. Where technology wasn't there to have drones. <laughs> well, well, hold on. So they on. had to come from somewhere, which means... They're not Unless denying they killed off every bird in the yes, universe. Yes, that's it. They're not design. They're not okay. They are not denying that birds existed. They are okay. saying that retrofit B fifty two bombers were fit with poison and they killed all of them and replaced them like overnight while we were sleeping <laughs> with drone birds. Okay. All right. Let's hear this. So on the Instagram page, there's also apparently <laughs> this guy posts. And again, this is why I think it's satirical because it's like a split screen and he shows a clip from a new Netflix documentary called like Spy Gear or something. Uh And they're talking about birds in, I think, China or Japan that are actually our drones and look like birds. And he's like, he's he's on the bottom of the split screen, like with his mind blown and like just being goofy about it. Right. So it's hard to believe this as a legit theory. Um, But yeah, there is there are drones that look like birds that other countries china i believe is using to right do their spying and whatever and you know adam carolla has long said that that crows could be trained to be attack crows okay because they they will like legit attack people if you piss yeah. off a crow they will like wait for you and when you leave your house they will come after your shit oh man so but those are like actual the birds they're smart enough to be trained like an animal to do that insane <laughs> crazy so this is from Autobahn.org, which is a legit yeah. website for birds. For birds. If you're going right. to do the big year, I think you go there. Yeah. They interviewed the mastermind of this thing, and they mentioned in their interview that he stayed in character the whole time. But they uh, they, they did an interview with this guy, and this movement is only a couple years old. I think it started as, I don't know, 2018 maybe, 2017, right around the time that QAnon started. Remember, we talked about them back in episode one, I yes. believe. And um, so they're not sure if they're just kind of feeding off of that popularity of them. And again, no one's sure whether this is a real conspiracy theory that we should be concerned about or if it's just some comedy. Just being... Yeah, just a bunch of comedians who managed to have a successful Instagram page and marketing scheme. If that's the case, kudos to them. Smart, right? Right. First of all, as you can with any article about birds or anything else, there's a great opportunities for bird puns. And this <laughs> one starts, it says hatched by a 20-year-old college Love student. It. The Birds Aren't Real movement has drawn intrigue and scorn on Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. So it, the, the intro to this article talks about that the CIA assassinated John F. Kennedy. The U.S. government is sequestering a team of Boeing engineers in Area 51 for a secret military mission, and that our tax dollars have been funneled into building the Turkey X-500, a robot used to hunt large birds. Oh, gosh. Combine all of those theories I just talked about, and you get birds aren't real. Okay. I'm not sure what they all have to do with each other, but I think they're trying to point out in this article that the the conspiracy theory movement has definitely evolved over the years. Like I was just saying, we have some kind of legit ones, and then now we're talking about birds not being real. Right. It's crazy. This is a nearly two-year-old movement, like I said, that claims the CIA took out 12 billion birds. Because the directors of the CIA were annoyed that the birds had been pooping on their cars back in the 60s. 
So like you said, birds existed, but the directors of the CIA were really upset about birds. And on the Birds Aren't Real website, there's uh-huh. even a transcript of someone, like leaked footage or a leaked transcript of someone. And the, it's hard to believe this website if you read it because the way the guy writes makes him sound a little nutty. But he says that this leaked transcript is the CIA director at the time saying, these birds keep pooping on my car. We're going to kill all of them. That might have happened, but I mean, it's probably somebody like pissed off about the poop on their car just saying, right. I wish all these damn birds would die. I wonder where all their bird carcasses went to. They've been recycled. and you, nah, I don't know. <laughs> no yeah. idea. Maybe they used them as the casing for the drones? No, mm-hmm. it didn't really happen. Don't no. tell me you're believing this nonsense, are you? No, I'm just wondering. So the person behind this name is uh, behind this movement is 20-year-old Peter McIndoe. He's an English and philosophy major at the University of Memphis in Tennessee. He first went live with The Birds Aren't Real in January 2017 at his city's Women's March. A video from <laughs> the event shows McIndoe with a crudely drawn sign heckling protesters with lines like, Birds are a myth. They're an illusion. They're a lie. Wake up, America. Wake up. That's a common theme nowadays. Everybody says, wake up, America, with their hashtags when yeah. referencing COVID and everything else. The idea of selling birds aren't real goods, he says, came after the stunt gained traction over Instagram. So he posted all this, of course. Huge following. And like you said, somebody in your group posted that they've Oh yeah. A bunch of people had the t shirts. A bunch of people were like, Oh yeah, you didn't know this? Yeah. I didn't know it. I I missed this. I have not heard this at all until you told me about it. I know it's crazy. I hadn't heard it until that day. I was thinking about following the Instagram page, but they post very sporadically, which also makes me think that maybe this is fake. Like there'll be a post every couple weeks. Hmm. Things like this usually that are viral and they yeah. really believe it. They're posting constantly because they're trying right. to like use it as propaganda for other people. This article here says what isn't baloney is that the attention the birds aren't real has drawn on social media thanks to an Instagram account, which at the time this was written said 50,000 followers. That's ballooned over the past wow. couple months to 296 oh my gosh. or whatever I said. They also have a YouTube page with more than 45,000 views and a Twitter profile with nearly 8,500 8, followers. I did not look into those, but I'm sure that they have even more than that now. But yeah, they're getting famous on this this crazy. Thing. So what do you think? I want to I just want to have a there I don't need to read all this information. It's pretty clear in the title. These people think that birds aren't real. None of them. Right. And that they sit on power lines to charge recharge themselves. <laughs> charge. That was my favorite. <laughs> I have often wondered how a bird can sit on a power line. It is pretty interesting. It seems like they would just fall. Well, there's off, that, but wouldn't they get electrocuted? I mean, they tell you not to touch power lines. Well, I thought they only tell you not to touch downed power lines cuz they're open. They're like Maybe. I don't know. I've never touched a downed or an erect power line. I don't know. But yeah, like how do they balance on those things? Why do they gravitate toward those? They could sit on the ground and they could right. sit anywhere. Well, I think they like to be up high, but you just get in a tree, right? Yeah. Especially here, there's so many trees. I don't know. There's a lot to think about here. There's a lot to unpack, as they say, because someone also made a good point that there's the majority of the pigeons in the world are in New York where all the people are, which would make sense that if they're all there to spy on where the majority of the people are, that's why there's so many birds in that Crazy. concentrated area versus, you know, out in the middle of Nebraska. Oh, that would be something to look into. Right? You would think yeah. where there's more people, there'd be less wildlife, but there happens to be a shit ton of birds there. Okay. Now I'm getting a little creeped so out So what here. is going on? 
I don't know. I wonder if there are some. Because, I mean, all crazy well, things come some. from somewhere. There are some. We saw that thing on, or I talked about that thing on Netflix. So there oh, are some in China. And it said those things are so lifelike and so real that real birds fly along with them because they think it's their, their buddy. That's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, it makes sense from a for me and what I do from a surveillance standpoint. I, it would totally make sense that the military or somebody would use this. Yeah technology they already have drones that i mean go how drop easy would it be like you're, like in I, i'm thinking of the <laughs> i see the scene from enemy of the state where he's like in the park and they're trying to talk to him talk to each other you know right. what i'm talking they about just had a pigeon they just like had a pigeon come and like roop, roop. <laughs> just kind of sit there you could totally hear and see everything going on yeah and you wouldn't you'd probably and you'd never you'd know sit it. there and feed it like you'd, yeah. you'd attract it to stay there that's where you would blow a hole in this is when the pigeon doesn't take the bread because it's a robot you'd have to program it to take or like you try to shoo it cracker. and it just kind of like sits there it just sits there and stares at you yeah creepy be creepy all right from now on i'm bringing crackers with me wherever i go <laughs> and i'm going to shoo birds constantly <laughs> I, I will take a closer look at birds especially if i see one that maybe looks like they're following me mm. i've had some birds come try to like attack me before mm. and i've seen crows go out i mean there's footage of crows like attacking people if, yeah. you, if you piss them off, they will come after you. So I don't know. Crazy. It is crazy. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. Now I'm going to really, I mean, like I didn't have enough things to worry about and freak out about after covering all these I know. weird theories. Now I'm going to be looking to the sky for some birds. Crazy. Crazy. All right. That's it. If you would like any more information about either of these cases, please follow us on social media at How Did We Miss That? Any big shout out for our theme composition goes to audio anywhere productions you can find them at audioanywhereproductions.com until next week keep your head up and look out for each other Bye.